Hello world, hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks, the podcast that informs, challenges, and inspires. You know, this is real talk from real people about real things, and ultimately, it is the show where the guests actually get to speak. Not a lot of me talking, but you can learn more about me at VincentTEdwards.com. You can also join the online community at VincentOnDemand.com, where you can get exclusive access to seminars, trainings, videos, and much more to help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision. Oh, do I have a show for you today? This one is good today. And, you know, I always introduce uh, my sponsor of every show. Today, I will be speaking with Travis Sparkman, and today's show is brought to you by T-Spark Enterprises, roofing and construction services, T-Spark, T-SparkConstruction.com, we conquer all peaks, we fix those darn leaks, call 850-766-1340, T-Spark Enterprises, roofing and construction services, T-Spark, T-SparkConstruction.com. All right, today's show brought to you by T-Spark Enterprises. But you know how we do it here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. We always open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for allowing us to get to this point in our day. God, we thank you for the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. And now we just ask that your presence be here to guide today's show, that it will be beneficial and helpful to all those who listen. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to interview my guest today. Travis, God, look upon him and his business. Expand his territory right now in the name of Jesus, because you said give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and running over. And Lord, he has given to me by way of his presence and all the other things that he's going to do on this show. So bless him. Not 10, not 30, but a hundredfold in all that he does. And now, Lord, I just say thank you in Jesus name. Amen. And today's inspirational verse of scripture comes from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. And it reads, for which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. When you start that construction project, make sure you have everything in a row lined up and you have all the money to do it. And today, my guest is the one, the only, Travis Sparkman of T-Spark Enterprises. How you doing today, Travis? I'm good, Vincent. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, man, I appreciate having you here. You know, we're going to find out the who, what, when, where, and why, all the skinny about you. And one thing I'd like to know is tell us something about your childhood that nobody really, really knows. Something about my childhood. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, well, I grew up in Ocala, Florida. Um, I was raised by... You know, mother and father. Father was a former Marine. Um, so oh, simplify. Anybody who's ever had a Marine Corps father knows that the household is very strict. Um, and uh, I went to a private Christian school growing up from the time I was four years old to senior in high school in Ocala. And uh, once I 
graduated from there. I moved on to the local community college in Ocala, which is with Central Florida Community College at the time. It's now changed names, but the uh, graduated from that and and then worked my way to Tallahassee, Florida, where I decided to transfer to Florida State and and major in criminology. Criminology. So you left horse country. That's what I call Ocala. Did you did you raise horses? Did you have any horses down there? No, no. I you uh when you're in Ocala, you were either picking oranges or you were riding horses. And <laughs> I didn't do either. And so how'd you get out of doing? Cool. How'd you get out of that, man? I uh I can I played a lot of sports. Um, sports was my thing, and uh, you know I always had that. You know, like every kid, you want to go on to play college sports and pro sports, but my athleticism and my ambitions never matched up. So, uh, <laughs> what sport did you play, man? Oh, I loved football. Loved football, baseball, a uh, little bit of basketball in between. Oh, so you, know, you were all around. You, you you did it all. But I loved it, and just I don't know that I was that good at it. <laughs> Did, did any of it transfer to, to at the college level at all? No, no, I never, I never did try out for anything college level. I mean, it was I played in high school, all of it, but it never, you know, never, never resulted in any kind of scholarships or anything like that. No scholarships. So you put your way through college there, huh? Yeah, believe it or not, I paid my way through uh, community college mowing grass. Whoa! Um, I uh, picked up my dad got me. A little bit, of, a little lawnmower and a weed eater, and you know the equipment I needed. And I would go down to my grandparents' neighborhood, which was a small, you know, little small houses with little yards, and they were really close together. A lot of those zero lot line type houses. Yes, indeed. And I would, I would just work my way from one end of the street, and it was all elderly people. So they, I would work one end of the street down to the other end, and they'd give me twenty, twenty five bucks to mow, weed eat, and blow their yards. And uh, that I did that enough that I paid my way through community college without any debt, any student loans, um, et cetera. But then when I got to Florida State, then things changed. <laughs> that price tag went up a little bit. Uh, inflation hit. And, uh, of course, then you got to pay for You know, it's a lot easier when you're living with mom and dad and they're, they're helping you with those costs. But when you move out on your own, you got the rent, the lights, and all those things that my daddy told me that I said, he don't know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, they came to they came to fruition when I moved out on my own. As we say in my neighborhood, they say, oh, you, you want to, grown folk need to be grown. And when you find out, oh, it costs to be the boss, it's a whole different story. It's, it's a whole different story. Wow. So what was life like for you at Florida State? Uh, I enjoyed college life, but I was at that point where I just wanted to get done mm-hmm. and move on and make money. You know, I majored in criminology because I, I honestly, when I, when I graduated high school, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I mean, I, even once I finished, I bounced around from majors in community college for two years, from criminal justice to business. And then I, I think I switched over to, like, psychology for a while. And um, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. And I ended up going back to criminal justice because I'd already taken so many classes. And that was the quickest way to get the two-year degree. That's And so I just transferred that to Florida State, they had a really good criminal justice and criminology program here. It was like top five in the nation at the time. And I said, well, that maybe that's where I'm supposed to be. You know, I had an interest in crime and not committing it, but solving it. <laughs> so, the CSI type deals, huh? Yeah, it always intrigued me of the, the who, what, when, where, and why's of trying to figure figure people out. And uh, that's how I kind of ended up up here and why I went to Florida State versus 
uh, University of Florida, which was closer for me. But yeah, I know about the University of Florida. I'm, you know, being here in Tallahassee, you have to kind of keep things on on the uh, on the quiet. But uh, you know, I actually went to the University of Florida. Left there, went to okay. the military, but then I transferred to Florida State, uh, where I got my degree from in business. And everybody say, "Oh, you just all mixed up." And so, <laughs> with, with that criminology, so what did you do right after college? Uh, I did some private security for a little while till I, until I got a job as a law enforcement officer. So I worked as a law enforcement officer for about six years between law enforcement and corrections. And it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it wasn't the, and it, looking at today's society, I'm glad I'm out of it. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's, it's just real crazy. My hat's off to law enforcement and those in the military because, you know, I served and I almost went in to law enforcement myself. But from law enforcement, criminology, all of that, how in the world did you get into the construction industry? Well, that was a unique experience, too, because when I left law enforcement, I needed a job. Uh, I had a brother that had been transferred up here to Tallahassee to be the assistant manager at one of the roofing supply companies in town. And uh, I went to him and I said, hey, I need, I got to get out of this law enforcement. I need a job. Mm. He said, the only thing I've got is I can put you on a truck delivering shingles. I said, I'll take it. And it was like eight fifty an hour. I think if I remember correctly. Woo. And, and, uh, I was like, I, I want it out that bad. Oh, that, uh, that, that's some bad. That's bad. <laughs> and, uh, so he, uh, he got me a job doing that. I got in the best shape of my life. I had the best tan <laughs> I'd ever had. Were you singled in? And I, no, I don't know why. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I got over my fear of heights real quick because uh, you have to climb up on those roofs and load all them shingles up there. So it didn't matter how steep or how high. When the truck pulled up, you were drawing straws with the driver, and he, whoever got the short straw was going on the roof. <laughs> so that, that was my introduction to construction and roofing and so on and so forth, and I, I just took it and ran with it. I mean, I, I started learning about the products I was loading on the roof. I started learning, you know, the business was growing so fast and they, they had an opening like within six or eight months that came open for a salesperson on the inside office area. And I said, I'd be interested. And they gave me the job and I, I went from there. Um, I worked there about another year hmm. before I was hired by one of the contractors who was actually a customer of the supplier and he hired me to do residential sales um and he was a roofing contractor general contractor and uh, essentially i just kind of learned from him i mean whatever i whatever he would teach me i was just kind of like a sponge and absorbed as much as i could absorb what to do what not to do and and uh, i stayed with him for about 11 years before i felt like it it was time to move out on my own wow that was some serious on the job training and learning Throughout all of that, what was one of the biggest challenges that you faced during that time period? I guess I, some of it was still n not knowing that that was my, my passion at first and still feeling like I was kind of spinning my wheels. Mm. You know, you, you look for that, that sign or that guidance or spiritual guidance or what have you to tell you that you're in the right spot. But, you know, until you actually kind of fulfill those needs in your, your mind a little bit, you it's still a struggle, you know, so you, I did, I had never done sales before, you know, I had, you know, going in someone's home and trying to convince them to buy, buy a roof from me or, or a construction project from me was not easy at first because, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't done it. And, uh, I, I remember the day I was interviewed by, uh, 
the contractor I worked for. And uh, he's like, uh, I said, well, you know, I, I ain't never done any sales. I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. You know, I, I don't know if I can do it. And he says, wait a minute. He says, you were a cop, right? I said, yeah. He said, how, he goes, how many times as a cop did you get your butt kicked? And I was like, well, by my count, zero. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, well, so you, he said, let me ask you. He said, so you convince somebody verbally to turn around, put their hands behind their back, sit down in your car and you and and give up their freedom and ride to the jail with you without kicking your butt. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, you can sell. <laughs> He said, there's no doubt in my mind, you can sell. So he, he kind of, the light bulb kind of went off. You know, that, that that's really what sales is, is you're, you're basically explaining somebody a way to do something without, you know, that basically everybody can agree with. During this time period, um, what, what was home life like? Um, you know, when you go into sales, it's pretty much commission, um, unless you find a good job that pays, you know, an hourly wage and, and commissions. How was that like um, at home? Did you have that much support? Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she knew I was unhappy where I was. And, uh, so it wasn't, you know, it was, t- I mean, I ain't going to say we didn't have our ups and downs. <laughs> you know, when, when you go from making a certain set amount of money and you go, you drop down to less than half of that, you know, it is a struggle and you have to figure out how you, what you're going to cut out and what you're going to do without and those kind of things. So there's sacrifices and, and we both had to make them. And, but, you know, through it all, we're back to where we want to be, you know, financially and, and so on and so forth. Through all of that, when did it really click and you said in your heart, your mind and your soul that failure is not an option in this? And I'm going to I'm going to move forward. Uh, I think I, I think part of that's my I have a competitive spirit. And and I, so maybe that some of that comes from my sports as a as a kid, you know, always wanting to be competitive and, and win. I think that comes I think I've always had that, that I don't I don't like to fail. I don't like to, it doesn't matter what you ask me to do. I'm going to give you 110% on it and, and try to make it right. And even if I screw it up, I'm probably going to still be going back to it, going reevaluating how I screwed it up and how it won't happen again. So you learned all of this stuff on the job. And then you finally said, okay, I'm going to kick it off. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I've been in sales. I made it work. I didn't think I could sell, but hey, I was a cop. I put people in the back of the car so I can do this. But then all of a sudden you said, I'm going to go out on my own. That is a big, big deal. And where I'm going with this, a lot of people say, I want my own business. I want to be my own boss. But there's a big difference between wanting to and working to make it happen. On the inside of you said, "It's, it's now the time to start my own. I've been doing this for somebody else. But I see something bigger for me and my family. What said? What? What moment? What time? What is that? This made you say, "Hey, it's now my time to start." Well, there was some writing on the walls, from so to speak. You know, I liked who I worked for, where I worked, but I, I saw, as you know, with small businesses, there's not a whole lot of place. There's a ceiling. Yes, you know, indeed. And you're either you're going to hit it at some point, and I felt like I was I had hit it. You know, and then I saw that the owner was starting to bring his his grown sons into the business and train them. And I just kind of felt like at some point I'm going to be pushed to the side because they're going to need to be able to take care of themselves. And that may not include me in their plans. Um, And it just you kind of get that idea that, like, you know what? it's it may be time to to move on you know i still talk to the guy i still have a ton of respect for him and and uh everything but he he uh like i said he taught me everything what to do what not to do i don't i don't uh discredit him for anything but it got to a point where you know i saw the there was that sign that maybe 
I need to move on, you know, that he can go do his thing, train his boys, let them kind of be there to take over. There's not that uneasy feeling of having him having to choose between me and his children kind of thing. And and it just like, that's kind of the way I looked at it. So you ventured off. So tell us about the name. I know it's a mix of of your first name, but how did you come up with (laughs) T-Spark? Well, so when I came up with that name, I, it was the pot. It was really popular. If you think about like a lot of the celebrities and stuff, sports stars were using their first initial and like part of their last name. The Alex Rodriguez was A-Rod. Jennifer Lopez was J-Lo. And I kept looking at it. I was like, all these people are, pretty wealthy and they come up with this little catchy slogan with their name and they got it going on. JLo got 60 million companies she's running, you know, and A-Rod's like a financial genius. Um, so I was sitting there looking at that and I, you know, I, I'm not the most creative person. So I was like, well, I'll just do T-Spark and that's where it came from. That's where it came from. Oh, you're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks and my guest today is the owner of T-Spark Enterprises, Mr. Travis Sparkman, and he's a wonderful person, um, and I'm getting to know him. He does great work. Full disclosure, I'm just going to let you know because he's going to be talking about some construction stuff, and you heard it right here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. I'm going to tell you, he did my roof. Oh, my goodness. And did he do an excellent job? Yes, he did. They are great. And we're just going to take a quick moment. I want you to listen to this. Let me tell you what T-Spark stands for. It stands for strength, commitment, teamwork, and heart. We don't ever quit until we've got nothing left to give. Our team is unstoppable. Want a guaranteed win? Call T-Spark Enterprises for your next roofing or construction project. We conquer all peaks. T-SparkConstruction.com. License number CCC1331204. And I will tell you, that commercial is to the point, and they do an excellent job. So you started the company. What was the biggest challenge you faced when saying, I'm going to open up everything? You know, you go down to the Department of State, you get your attorneys and all that stuff, you get the paperwork. But what was the biggest challenge and the greatest fear that you had stepping out on your own? Oh, let's see. Biggest fear was... Where will I get customers from? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm the new guy on the block. So, you know, people are a little reluctant to use the new guy. So that was my probably my biggest fear, you know, because once you own the own your own business, it's it's you eat what you kill. So, you know, you, you don't if you don't kill anything, you, you might get a ketchup sandwich that day. So. Hey. <laughs> hey, at least you got some tomatoes in there, you know, to catch up. Exactly. Wow. But, uh, so that was my fear. The challenge was once I got past that part of the fear of getting customers and getting jobs was, was, was finding qualified people to, to help me get it done. You know, that was my biggest challenge. And it's still, still to this day is, is one of the biggest challenges. Um, I have a really good crew and I do everything I can to keep them happy and keep them, keep them here. But you know, at any point, somebody offers them a little more money or a little more of this, and and they 
you know, they'll jump. Some of them will jump. Yes. And, you know, so that's the, that's the biggest challenge is trying to keep, and you, you got all kinds of personalities now that, you know, you have to learn to it. You, the old days, you, you know, a boss could, or an employer could be like, you know, I'm going to talk to everybody the same way. That way there's uniform, yada, yada, yada. You can't do that now. No, it's, it's a one to many relationship. I mean, you have so many different generations uh, in the workplace now that you have to be a lot to everybody. Absolutely. So that's that I would say personnel is my biggest challenge and it's still to me still is today. So what qualifies you to be an expert in the construction industry? <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I'd use the word expert. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, you did an expert job on my roof, man. I, I, I would say, honestly, I mean, the, the thing that I say is I, I always try to do what I say I'm going to do, no matter what. And, and I would rather lose money and make sure a customer is happy and that everything's done the way they want it done than to make a ton of money and walk away and, and a customer has a bad taste in their mouth. Um, I think if, as long as I keep that mantra, you know, I seem to, it seems to work, you know, that no matter what, I'm going to take care of the customer. That's, I may not agree. You know, that old saying that the customer's always right. I may not agree with you, but I'm going to make sure you're happy. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, I, uh, I remember that when I worked in the restaurant industry so long, oh my goodness. And I had one manager said, the customer's always right. The customer's always right and i was like they not right they did wrong in this issue but what right. further i learned out you know they may not be right but the customer is king so that's the- <laughs> yeah yeah because they either gonna they're gonna either recommend you or they're not it somebody told me one time that you do a good job they might tell one or two you, you do a bad job they're gonna tell everybody that'll listen oh yeah you you yeah. hit the nail on the head um, someone told me that it was like the, the the one. I mean, if you have a bad experience, that one person will tell at least five, and those five will tell at least eleven. Man, and that's that's hard. I mean, yeah, and that story grows. Yeah, every time it leaves another mouth. <laughs> yeah, it grows. It's like, oh, you know, he left a little spot till man, I had a gaping hole and it was pouring yeah. down. So tell us about all of your services i mean because when you know most time you, you first hear the commercial this it's roofing it's like okay but you do much more than roofing talk to us yeah i mean i would say roofing's our bread and butter you know that's what all my the majority of my employees are all roofing installers or roofing supervisors um but the construction aspect is the other thing that that i have a passion about the you know the renovations and remodels i enjoy doing those the uh, i specifically like the commercial uh renovations that's my that's my favorite cup of tea so to speak because uh, i feel like i'm helping that person you know that was in my shoes like I was, you know, three, four years ago when I got started that um, I'm helping them do the same thing, get started. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of uh, uh, exciting for me to be able to, to help push a new business into action, mm. so to speak. So it kind of like I get to put my fingerprint on, on that business. And when you see it do well, you can kind of sit back and go, I kind of, you know, I help them get, get there, you know, and it, it's kind of rewarding to see that company grow or that business grow. Yeah. And I really like that aspect. You're giving of yourself to help someone else. And, and it also, also, it's one of the things I talk about in leadership. One of the greatest attributes of a leader is the development of other leaders and what you're doing and, and sowing seed and helping other peoples to grow is to be highly commended. And I, I truly believe you'll be blessed for all of your giving. So, construction, roofing, let's move on to something that I, I really want to talk about. You brought it up 
some myths because we hear all these myths about things and we, I think we're going to share about five of them because you're a contractor. And what if I told you, oh, man, I could just use anybody I want to. All contractors are the same. What would you say to that, Travis? <laughs> I would probably snicker a little bit. And then uh, <laughs> and then I would say, well, yeah, that's not always true. Um, sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't, but it, the one thing I always tell customers is that, you know, you got to look at what's their, what's their experience, you know, age, sometimes that plays a role, but really their experience, what have they done? You know, uh, I always give the analogy that people are hiring when you're hiring a contractor, it's kind of like you're interviewing a guy, girl, whatever for a job. Hmm. And, you know, you want you want a resume, you know, you should ask for a resume, not just a proposal that has a price on it. I mean, that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. It tells you what they plan to do the job for, but it doesn't tell you if they know how to do that. You know, so always ask for, you know, what's your experience? What have you done? Who have you worked for? Can I call these people? You know, references, you know, just like if you, you and I both interviewed for jobs before and, yes. and, and every employer has always asked us, do you have a list of jobs you've worked for? And do you have a list of references that we can call? And it, and that's essentially what every customer, every homeowner, business owner should do, you know, to make sure that they're getting the best person for the job. And that'll cover, you know, that you'll find out their reputation. So, yeah. So you you were saying nowadays we, we find out some, some different things. You know, they might tell one or two, but when they take the time to sit down and put something on like Google review or Facebook review, um, you, uh, that tells you something that that customer felt comfortable enough and was strong enough about their opinion of that contractor to be able to take time out of their day to put in that review. Yeah. And people, people will, I mean, and it's a whole lot easier to write reviews. Now everything's online and they can put stuff out there. And, and if it's online, it can be detrimental if it's not good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like now, now growing up, here's another thing. Well, it doesn't matter. One of these, one of those, you know, wood is wood. A screw is a screw, you know, paint is paint. You know, hey, just just do it. Um, get me. It kind of reminds me of, you know, the government at times. They want to go with the lowest bidder. Um, are all materials the same? No, <laughs> that's the short answer is no. Um, you, you have to really look at the fine print of, you know, you know, I could go on and on about all different aspects of construction, but I'll, since roofing's my, my bread and butter, we'll talk about that. You know, every shingle manufacturer will claim to be a lifetime rated shingle, lifetime warranted shingle, and they could claim they're all class A rated shingles. But there's, there is, there is a difference between the manufacturer's warranties where the, if you read the fine print, some of them will say, well, we only stand behind this thing 100% of the 100% coverage for the first five years, and then we prorate, mm. okay? And then maybe one will say 10 years. Well, what I always tell customers is I said, that tells you how much they believe in that shingle. The amount of time they're willing to stand there and put their money 100% behind it, that's how long they think it'll last. Mm. After their prorates, they know you got to put some of your money towards it and the less chance of you filing a warranty claim or what have you because they know you got to put some of your skin in the game. Um the there's also a difference between what I call a builder's grade shingle and a remodeler's grade shingle. Manufacturers don't specify that, but there is a there is a difference. Wow, speak to have. us on that. I, I never heard of that. I thought a shingle was a shingle. <laughs> so without disclosing specific brands, yeah. you know, you'll see a lot of the builder grade stuff in your box stores. Okay. Um a little bit thinner made, a little bit they'll still claim it's a lifetime warranty, but again you go back into the, the fine, fine print. print. That may more be more like a five year, you know, when builders build a house, and this is every builder, not singling anybody out, they 
they typically give a homeowner like a one-year builder one. They pretty much know in the first year, unless something was really screwed up, nothing's going to fail, right? Mm -hmm. But they also know that they used, they didn't use the highest end. They didn't put the Cadillac mm -hmm. on the on the house. You know, that's, it's it's more of your budget model, you know, because the builder's job is to make money off of building the house. Um, so they, they tend to use the cheaper products, the stuff they can buy in bulk that they can use on two or three houses. Um, now that, that's your, that's your, you know, your track builders, your, um, your volume builder type thing, your custom builders. Now that's a little bit different. They do tend to look at a little bit more of a quality driven thing, but you also pay more for a custom built house as opposed to a, you know, something that's in a subdivision that's all built by the same builder. Mm -hmm. awesome, you know? definitely. Wow. So that, that's a, that's a lot. I was once told that, um, the big print giveth the fine print taketh away. So you yeah, gotta, exactly right. you gotta read those warranties. You know, when, when you look at construction, construction is constructions. Um, people will say, if you can build this house, you can build, build another one, but are there any differences? Um, are projects really the same? Are they just the basics um, when it comes to construction? Are the things unique? Actually, I would say that that's one of the things that draws me to the construction and excites me is because every job is different. And, it, and I hear constantly, in fact, I had one the other day where I priced a project out for a guy and he said, well, my neighbor had this done for this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's a little bit different. Your your project is got these things, your neighbor doesn't have all that stuff. Um, well, it's the same, it's same size house, same this, same that. I said, I understand, but yours is elevated. It's got, it's a, it's standing up taller. It's got, you know, I always say every house is a snowflake, you know, because of the fact that there's no two houses that are alike, no matter you mean the same neighborhood. Mm. And you know, the, the specifics of, you know, if house A and house B that are sitting side by side, they were built off the same blueprint. You still got two people, two sets of people living in those houses that are going to really want different things. They can say they want the same thing, but when you get right down to it, you, you get down to, let's say it's a bathroom remodel. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you they're not going to pick the same tile. I guarantee you they're not going to pick the same tub out, same plumbing fixtures, et cetera. So even though you're remodeling that same size bathroom in both houses, it's not going to be the same price because everybody's different with how they want things done. Um, and then, you know, what you find when you start demoing stuff out, there's there's always hidden costs sometimes that, that you have to take care of. Yes, indeed. You open up something and you say, "Ooh, I didn't count on that. So it's like, oh, I got to fix this problem before I can really um, get into the other one. This whole concept of price and, and putting things together i mean you could bring five five people out give them the same specification same same job same everything and you come back with five different prices it's almost like economists you put five economists in a room and they're going to tell you something different about the way uh, things are going is that the same with contractors why why such a difference in prices when they're doing the same thing are they trying to get over on me i wouldn't say get over I would say that everybody has a different way of doing business. Um, and that it would, when we price out construction jobs or roofing jobs, where there's three main things that go into that. One is your material cost. Everybody should be paying the same thing, right? That's, if it's the same house and everybody's pricing the same house, unless they screwed up on their mathematics or their um, measurements, they, they should really, our material list should be looking identical. Therefore, your price on that should be the same. Um, the next thing is your labor, you know. So if we take a roof, for instance, we, we pay the guys, you know, their hourly rates, and then we have to figure in what's called workers' comp, general liability, and the insurance company charges us as contractors based on what we what we spend 
So if, if I spend $500,000 a year on labor, they're taking up, they're saying, oh, he's got $500,000 a year to pay on labor. We're going to get us a percentage of that. <laughs> Everybody so wants their hand in the pot. They get, and so they get a percentage of that. And so then that, and that gets added into the job, you know, because we figure every customer wants a, a set of employees that are covered by workers comp because they don't want to be liable for them. They don't, they want to make sure I have general liability because that's what they always ask you. Are you licensed or in, and insured? Right. But they don't realize that when you ask me that, yes, I am. And I'm passing some of that on to you. Associated with, associated with me being that way. Yeah. And, and it gets passed on. I mean, I, it gets passed down to the customer, that percentage gets passed to the customer for their job. The last the last aspect is the overhead and profit. You know, what it costs me to run my business, or keep my doors open, and what we want to make once all the bills are paid. You know, if anybody tells you that they're doing you a favor and they're cutting you a break or they're not, they're, there's no contractor out there doing it below a certain profit margin because they can't stay in business. They got to eat. Nobody's doing a, doing work just to turn money through the company. If they are, they're probably, they're probably doing <laughs> else too <laughs> just to hide hide the money oh, you know so they uh the biggest thing is 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 if you see two prices and they're way off somebody's not doing something right it's not a matter of that all oh, these contractors are printing their own money they just do whatever they want. It really isn't. It's it's a fact that they're cutting somewhere. They're either cutting one of those three things, the material, the labor aspect, or the overhead and profit. You know, the only real variable is the overhead, is that if a guy's working out of his pickup truck and really doesn't have an office building or office staff, or, you know, he just goes home to his, and has a little office in his house or something like that, yeah, his overhead's going to be a lot lower than somebody like me who has an office and paying some payroll on some girls at the office and that kind of stuff, got trucks running up and down the road paying gas and stuff like that in them um there's good that's the only variable i can say that and that shouldn't really in the grand scheme of things it shouldn't sway a price a ton you know a few hundred dollars at the most but the the other aspects is if they're way off they're cutting either your material or they're cutting your labor they're not maybe not paying the insurance like they're supposed to maybe they're subbing the job out to a crew that's not an employee mm. you know and they can save some money that way but nobody's cutting their profit margin i can promise you that uh, <laughs> nobody's out there there's no such thing as united way roofing oh you know? no <laughs> you're not cutting it. doing the charity thing hey that, that 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 gross margin and profit margin i think it's gonna it's gonna stick around i tell you it's almost like i you know when you hear of job cuts and and people getting laid off on jobs you know you say have you ever seen the person that's doing the layoffs and cutting jobs cut their salaries and get rid of their job it's like no i never really saw that so you know it's all about a lot of people you know self-preservation they are not going to cut um that profit margin they'll pass on the job before they do that yeah in situations like that we actually i mean in all in all business owners are, are typically should be raising their profit margin to, you know, when times are slow, you should actually be, you have less, less incoming jobs, less. So your profit margin should actually inflate. I think we're seeing it a little bit now, you know, in the, in the world, oh. inflation starts to hit in when things are slowing down. Cause you got to make up that extra money that you're not, you know, where you were before you were doing three jobs a week. Now you're only doing one job a week. So that one job has to offset the fact that you're not getting three jobs a week anymore. Yeah. You know, so there's that potential for, when times are tough and times are slower, the prices actually, if you're a good business person, it should actually go up instead of down. You shouldn't drop your price to just to get a job, to yeah. turn money, so to speak. True. 
Before I get into one of my final questions, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. You know how we always talk about the old elevator pitch, 30-second pitch. Give us your your elevator pitch and how they contact you, why people should use you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that opportunity. Um, Travis Sparkman, T-Spark Enterprises. I, I have been in the roofing and general contracting business now for over 15 years, uh, whether I was working for somebody else or working for myself now. So um, I've developed a pretty good reputation. The reviews speak for themselves. You'll never hear me say I'm the most qualified, most trusted, use those catchphrases. You know, I just tell you that I let my work speak for itself. I'll I'll let you talk to any customer I've worked with, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there hasn't been customers that that didn't go as smoothly as I wanted to. But I can tell you this, that if you ask them, what did he do to fix it? They'll tell you every time he did the right thing. And uh, that's that's my that's my elevator pitch. If you want a contractor who's going to do it, do it right. Um, maybe not be the cheapest, but um, but in the end, I'm going to give you the most bang for your buck because I'm going to get it right for you. Um, that's what I would say. And then contacting me, you know, the number 850-766-1340, like you heard in the radio ad, um, or T-Spark construction.com that's the best way wow you know i was just sitting there as you were talking you know my my grandmother's saying came into my mind and it just hit home with what you said you can go and talk to anybody and ask about my work my grandmother used to say let the works i've done speak for me and that's what i hear about t spark the work you do speaks for you yes sir when we talk about okay i need this job done how many estimates should i get is there a recommended amount or should i just go with the first guy that says okay this is what it is i don't think there's ever a set amount of estimates you should get um i've always been taught trust your gut your gut never lies to you it, it, i'll bring it back to the same analogy that i talked about when we first got started that it's a job interview you know and if we've all interviewed people at some point in our jobs, you know, and do you, do you take the person, do you interview 10 and you take the person that says, well, I may do this. I may do that. I may not be able to do this, but the good news is I'll do it for $5 an hour. And, uh, do you hire that person or do you hire the guy that says, I can do this. I can do that. I'll get this done. Yada, yada, yada. But I want this much an hour, you know? And so confidence in the project and the person is what I always tell people to hire on. You know, that's in the end, that's what's going to make sure your job goes smoothly, gets it done right, doesn't leave you with regrets. Um, Yeah, you might save some money up front, but at some point, and I make a darn good living off of fixing other contractors that left people behind, (laughs) um, fixing their mistakes. And so they may have saved that extra thousand dollars or whatever, but they end up spending way more than that because I know you've heard the stories of the mechanic that has to, you know, charge twice as much to pull all the stuff apart where the person tried to fix their own car. Yes, indeed. And then to put it back together the right way. And that's, that's in the end, you may have saved that thousand dollars, but you, you won't because you'll end up having to spend that plus some. And you, when you could have just went with it. And I'm not just saying me, it, it may be somebody else that you felt more strongly about that they might have been more expensive, but they, they're pricing what they know is going to have to happen and what's going to take to get it done. And they're not going to come back to you throughout the job and say, hey, I need another $500 here. I need another $700 for this. I, you know, they're already thinking about those things. Um, whereas some of these contractors will come to the table and say, well, here's my price. I'm the lowest. You know, and people hire them. And then by the time it's all said and done, they've paid way more than the guy that they got the highest price from, you know through the change orders and, and all the different things that got, they got hit with. Wow. What I hear, man. And what I love is the honesty and the dedication and the good work 
that you all do at T-Spark. And I just want to let my listening audience know today was an introduction of the man, the myth, the legend, Travis T-Spark Enterprises. He's going to be coming back on the show periodically to give you some homeowner tips. What do you say about that? Just that's going to be just excellent. I mean, things that you need to know, things that you can can do. So let's just give it up for Travis. He's going to be coming back on the show, giving us some homeowner improvement tips. You know, Travis, it's truly been a pleasure uh, finding out things about the myths of contracting, finding out the who, what, when, and where uh, about you and what you do and why you do it. What is the most enjoyable thing about what you do? Uh, I would say it's it's making a homeowner happy or a, a business owner happy. I mean, when I when I finish a job and they're smiling ear to ear, they're they're happy with what they see. That to me is enjoyable. You know, I'm, I think that's the the rewarding part of the job. One of my final questions that I love to ask on this show because we found out a little bit about you growing up in Ocala, going to to FSU. Uh, police officer carrying shingles all the way up and now starting your own business and all that you've done what matters most to you and that can be in any aspect of your life Travis what matters most to you (laughs) oh man you hit me with that one Uh, I, I think it's reputation. I think it's important that your reputation precedes you, you know, that again, that I, that no matter what somebody, you know, no matter who you ask, you know, they may say, oh, well, he's tough to deal with, or he's grumpy or he's this. Um, but there's always that, but he does what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is, is more important than anything is that, you know, going back to the way I was raised and, and the upbringing from, you know, specifically my, my dad, you know, you didn't, you knew how to treat people, you knew how to make sure that they were taken care of. And, and that was, and, you know, that's important to me that the, the stuff he's instilled in me is, is carried out through my, how I live my life. Excellent. Excellent. Well, time has gotten away from us. Uh, Travis, but I look forward to coming back and learning more about the homeowner tips, things that you're going to share, not only with us here in Tallahassee, Leon County, but everyone in the world on on different things they can do with their home, things they should know. I'm going to be looking forward to learning a lot from you, man. I thank you so very much for being a great and wonderful guest on Mr. Speaker Speaks. Thanks, Vincent. I look forward to it. All right, everybody. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, the podcast that informs, challenges, and inspires you. Today, we've learned a lot from Travis. But remember, check me out at VincentTEdwards.com. And you know, I always say, life is all about purpose. And the question becomes, are you living yours? And all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed. But most of all, be a blessing to someone.